Welcome back, if any of you are back, to week two, chapter two, from the book Simple, How Kids Help Us Understand God. And I'm Amy Clarkson, the author of the book and the reader of this book. Let's start. Chapter two, Trust. Before I became a parent, I must admit, I had a somewhat romanticized view of parenting. I just knew that my instincts would solve any minor unknowns that might come up. Anyone I heard complaining about how hard it was to parent, I assumed were just complainers. How hard could it really be? Famous last words, right? If you are a parent, what are some of the surprises, both good and bad, that caught you off guard? One of the things I envisioned pre-kids was that I would have little versions of myself who loved me unconditionally and trusted me without question. I was sure there would be grand adventures when I would hold out my hand and say, come with me, and they would unhesitatingly reach their hand up and follow wherever I took them. I mean, isn't that where the term childlike faith comes from? This little vision I had played right into what I assumed was the type of faith we were to strive for, non-questioning and quick to trust, just like children. There is a problem with this train of thought. Once I became a parent, I discovered a very different reality when it comes to trust and my kids. My kids aren't always quick to trust me. And often, their trust comes with lots of questions, hesitations, and initial doubt. There's another more significant problem with the concept as well. The term childlike faith isn't even in the Bible. Surely, there are one or two of you having a moment of disbelief like I did when I was delving into the subject that the well-used phrase in churches of having childlike faith is not written in the scriptures. Where, then, does this phrase come from? Jesus mentions children and the kingdom of God a few times in the New Testament. The first is in Matthew chapter 18, when the disciples are arguing about who the greatest in the kingdom would be. Jesus points out a child and says they need to humble themselves like children. Later, in chapter 19, he says, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That's from Matthew 19, 14 of the NIV. In the Gospel of Mark and Luke, he references the need to receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Specifically, Mark 10, verse 15 of the NIV says, Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I don't see the word faith in those passages. The references to children use the words humble and receive in regard to the kingdom of God. Let's think about this. How do kids usually receive gifts? In my family, especially when they were young, gifts were objects of great delight and wonder. The anticipation and reception turned into joy and excitement. Most commentators referencing these scriptures would say it is the character traits of surprise and delight mixed with humility that Jesus is referencing when he speaks of children and the kingdom of God. 
Since childlike faith isn't an actual command in the Bible, can children even teach us anything about faith and trust? Absolutely. In fact, I think as we examine trust in the context of parents and children, we will find greater understanding of our issues of trusting God. The very first thing we need to do is realize that trust is both experience and personality driven. Do you know people in your life who are natural risk takers? Think a moment about them. Do they seem to trust quickly or are they more skeptical? When I think about trust and my kids' personalities, the first image that comes to mind is water. I cannot tell you the number of times over the years I have stood in the shallow end of a pool and said to one of my kids, go ahead, jump, I'll catch you. What happened next was often personality driven. My youngest son, who embodies no fear and is naturally inclined to trust, would jump with no hesitation. My middle child, however, is overly cautious and not trusting. It would take multiple verbal reassurances and promises, and even then, he would often walk away. Of course, it's not just personality, as experiences also factor in. If a child has lived in an environment where someone broke their trust, it will undoubtedly affect their ability to trust in the future. When my middle son was three, we were at a local lake splashing in the swimming area. My son was enjoying the freedom to walk in the thigh-high water without a life jacket. A ski boat zipped by the swimming area, sending several large waves rolling towards the shore. I was far enough away from him that the first wave knocked him under before I could reach him. Guess what? He refused to swim the rest of that entire summer even with a life jacket, and our insistence that a life jacket would hold him above the water, even encouraging him to wade in ankle-deep water just to see that he would enjoy the refreshing play, even promising to hold his hand and not let go. It was all rebuffed. His experience completely impacted his ability to trust the water that summer. To make things more complicated, even the perception that experience is related to an outcome can disintegrate trust. My youngest used to love movie theater popcorn. Even when he was too young to capture the plot of specific movies, as long as he had a container of buttery popcorn, he was content. One night after the family had seen a film together and my youngest had had his usual popcorn delight, he woke in the early hours vomiting. Going around the school at the time was a very rough GI flu bug that he had come down with. However, in his mind, it was the popcorn that caused the sickness. The perceived connection shattered his trust in popcorn. To this day, he refuses to eat even one morsel of that buttery goodness. Have you seen examples like this, either real or perceived, that have caused either you, a child, or someone you know to be slow to trust in that specific area? It's important to keep in mind that 
experience can work both ways. My son, who spent an entire summer deathly afraid of swimming, is now a powerful swimmer and loves the lake. The following summer, time's passage had eased some of the fear, and he was willing to trust me to try wading into the shallow area. Soon, he agreed to a life jacket and venturing into deeper water, and finally to holding his breath underwater. Once he took the risk and realized that indeed I could be trusted, his hesitation shortened and slowly disappeared. This is how it is for all my kids. The more my promises ring true, the easier it is to trust the next time. It's the same in our relationship to God. Our personalities and past experiences play a role in how easily or quickly we trust God. Some of us come into the world more trusting. Let's not fault people who are the opposite. Usually, more than even personality, it's our past experiences and more precisely how we interpret those experiences that affect our ability to trust God. Just imagine, if you were consistently in an environment where people broke promises, not only would it be hard to trust another human's promises, but what would the promises of God mean to you? This idea that how easy or difficult it is to have faith in God or God's word or even God's church based on the experiences we've had and the personality we were born with is all somewhat intuitive. Let's switch things up a bit then. For the next half of the chapter, we will examine from the opposite side as a parent and see if there is any new understanding we might have of faith through God's perspective. Time for a confession. In the role of parent, I find it highly exasperating when my children don't trust me. When I reassure my son that there are no zombies under his bed, that I am entirely sure of this fact, and ask him to believe me, and he instead gives into his irrational fears, I get frustrated. When my daughter misjudges her descent after climbing a tree and gets stuck on the lowest branch, and I tell her to jump, that I will catch her, and she instead panics and clings to the trunk in tears, I am annoyed. In those moments, I've been known not to say the sweetest things as my patience evaporates. Please tell me you can think of a time that you were irritated when a child wouldn't trust your encouragement to do or try something you knew was possible. I have to wonder why those experiences are so irritating. What do you think? If I look inwards, I find that I am not directing the irritation I feel at my children per se. It's usually the vexation of my selfish nature. With my son and his zombie fear, I know his lack of trust will crimp my evening plans. And with my daughter stalling, it is the delay to my dinner prep that I dislike. In part, then, some of my annoyance is pure selfish impatience that things aren't going as I planned. There is something more there, though, than impatience. In my human emotions of frustration, I find a seed of empathy. When my daughter or son cry out in fear of something unreal or unlikely, 
because they don't trust the truth I am sharing, I physically hurt because they are hurting. When they don't believe me and they take onto themselves the burden that I am trying so hard to relieve, it is painful for me to watch because I feel that burden with them. Other times, it is the empathy of regret because I know they are missing out on an opportunity that would be rewarding. When we go to the movies and buy a tub of buttery popcorn to share, and my youngest sighs at missing out on the snack, I feel an empathetic squeeze, especially since I know he would probably enjoy it if he ever were brave enough to risk it. How does this all relate to God? For one, it's important to realize it isn't the same. That exasperating irritation I feel when non-trusting kids disrupt my plans is likely not something God feels. God isn't selfish in petty manners like me. So while my lack of trust on something may indeed delay his initial plan, he's not rolling his eyes at me for this. He just moves on to something or someone else if he needs. I would guess his frustration is more in line with the compassion and empathy I feel for my children when they don't trust. If I picture him symbolically in the pool saying to me, jump, trust me, I've got you, and I walk away, he must feel sad. He would know that I missed out, not just on the experience itself, but a chance to increase my faith by learning that he can be trusted. When my husband is out of town and I start catastrophizing about him getting in a car accident, potentially dying, and leaving me alone to raise our kids, I'm sure God isn't upset that I don't readily turn to him and trust his ultimate control. Instead, he feels compassion for the irrational fear that keeps me from sleeping. He wants to relieve my doubts if only I'd let him. Remember how much emphasis we placed on experiences having a lot to do with trust? This is such a crucial idea for increasing our faith. The Greek word used for faith or trust is pistis. Interestingly, it comes from the Greek word pitho, which means to persuade or be persuaded. When we are asking our kids to trust us on something, we are trying to convince them that it will be okay, that they will have success, and that we know what we are talking about. One way that persuasion works is if they try it and find it to be true. The positive experiences make it easier to persuade them the next time. This positive feedback loop is why God so longs for us to take the risk and find his words to be true. It makes the persuasion easier and makes our faith stronger. If you talk to anyone who has taken a leap of faith and either chosen or been forced to trust God on something, they will tell you it makes the next time easier to trust. Usually, if you encounter someone who displays mighty faith, and by that, 
I mean that immediate reliance and turning to God without fear, you will find someone who has had a handful of stories of God's faithfulness in the past. Their ability to trust without hesitation has come from repeated experiences of God coming through for them. I can recall a couple during my teen years with earth-shattering faith. At first, I thought it was naive that they trusted him too much. How ridiculous does that sound now, as if there is such thing as too much faith? As I got to know them, I began to hear the stories that led to their incredible trust. Story after story of a need, often financial, that would miraculously be answered supernaturally. A check would appear for the exact amount needed to fix their car, or someone would arrive at their door with an old lawnmower they didn't need on the same day the couple prayed for a working lawnmower. Now, for as many times as I get irked at my children for not trusting me on something of which I am confident, there are plenty of times they do believe me. And I must say, that feeling as a parent is just delightful. After several seasons at the lake, encouraging my daughter to try to wakeboard, this past summer she finally decided to try. She's a gymnast, has excellent balance and strength, and I knew it would be easy for her to pick up. Trust me, my husband and I both said to her over and over, you can do this and you will love it. Despite my outward confidence that I directed to my daughter of the success she would have, since I am not God and not ultimately sure how things will play out, I was inwardly quite nervous as my husband steadied her in the water behind the boat. She yelled, hit it, and I thrust the boat into gear, yanking my head back as quickly as I could to see what would happen. She popped right up, and the smile that lit up her face said it all. As a parent, I saw so many things in her expression that day. Pride in herself, the thrill of a new experience, gratitude that we'd pushed her to try, and even relief that she could indeed trust us. That empathy part works both ways. I felt those same emotions with my daughter that day, and what a joy it was. God must take such delight when we finally take the risk and trust him on something he tells us to believe that he will do. There is one last concept that needs touching on in regard to trust. While it's true that experience and personality affect how quickly my children trust me, those things don't change my character or my responsibility to them as their parent the object in whom they are putting their trust. Follow me on this. Whether or not my kids follow through and trust my words doesn't change the fact that I am trustworthy. My ability to catch them when they leap from the side of the pool has nothing to do with their faith in me. I will catch them, period whether they believe it or not. In other words, our experiences and personality may influence how easy or hard it is to trust God, but God himself 
is unchanging and constant. Another way to say this is that my belief that a particular chair will hold me up or not has nothing to do with the chair's actual ability to hold me. My trust or inability to trust the chair may change my actions, if I risk sitting or not, but the chair itself is constant. God is trustworthy, true, good, all-powerful, merciful, etc. Whether I believe that or not doesn't change God. It just changes my actions and reactions towards him. The next time you find yourself hesitant to trust God on something, think about the parent-child relationship. In fact, right now, maybe you can think of something you know God has asked you to do or to trust him on that you are wavering about. Now, think of a time you were trying to convince someone of something you were confident of. Gather up that inner feeling of assuredness and realize God feels that about what he's asking of you. I sometimes think if my children could just somehow feel the utter and most complete confidence I have when I say they can trust me to catch them or that there are no such thing as monsters, they wouldn't have doubt. If only they knew what I knew, they would trust easily. God only asks for trust on things that are certain. And let's not fail to mention, he knows all. How much more must he think if they could only feel how concrete and sure this is? If only they knew what I know, they wouldn't need to doubt. We will never be able to understand the assurance God possesses when he asks us to trust him so that we will continue with our childlike faith. Childlike faith, an imperfect blend of moments of hesitancy, naivety, confidence, and courage. Hopefully, though, we will take more leaps of faith and continue to learn how faithful he is.